Welcome to episode 138 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is Derek. I was going to make a Last Jedi joke, but instead I'm going to say Derek the Hollow Knight Heemsbergen. Ooh, okay, that works. My self-titled introduction was going to be Derek the Glint of Cold Steel Heemsbergen, because yes. I'm playing the uh, Japanese version of Sen no Kiseki 3, or Tales of Cold Steel 3. I'm so jealous. And it's good, and like, sort of intelligible. Anyway, hey, what's up? I'm Derek Hemsberg and Embryon on the boards, and I never post on the boards, so that is a useless piece of information. Give give your Twitter account or something. Like oh, sure. That. It's at uh, EmbryonX. That's E-M-B-R-Y-O-N-X. I tweet about um, video games and gay stuff. That's that's what the young people use these days, the tweeters, correct? They do. That's, mm-hmm. that's what they use. Uh, my students will ask, like, do you have an Instagram account? I'm like, the hell's that? <laughs> I don't. Like, Instagram is so sketchy, though. Like, yeah, they've changed yeah. a lot of Instagram's algorithms, and I've heard that they're um, they'll withhold the the notifications for likes on your posts to make you go back and check again, thinking that you didn't get enough or something. It's like I don't know. I think they're getting worse and worse, but that's neither here nor there. Who else do we have on the podcast today? Uh, we also have Caitlin Amaterasu Argiros. Yes, because Okami is awesome, and you should all play it. Okami is really awesome, and I love the fact that they keep releasing it for stuff. And now there's a PC version, and that's awesome! Now, all we need is for it to come out on Switch, and it will like oh be God. the trifecta. Oh my god, everything needs to be on Switch. Uh, there, there's also, if I remember correctly, there's a little little game coming out on Switch. They announced it last week. What game was that? I can't can't quite remember could have been a some some kind of light in the woods oh my god just talk some, some, some kind of remaster of just say it of, oh god so, some kind of shadowy um um specter i i don't know was it was it actually oh, yeah, i don't even know what you're talking about no it wasn't souls. last week it's 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 dark souls. oh <laughs> god damn it. it's it's dark souls uh, that wasn't last week <laughs> was it two weeks ago I was really yeah, sick. Like I was that. really sick after Magfest. The, the life's a blur after no, that. No, it wasn't. It wasn't illness. It was time compression. It oh, was. It, it was the K? actual direct yeah. that they had a couple weeks back. Not the. Uh, hey, let's make cardboard accessories. Yeah, what the hell? Like, is that? Oh, I think it's like, great. Is that okay? So, so Derek, I, I I am not saying this to be an ass. I promise. What is exciting about that? Because I'm not seeing it, but that also doesn't mean that it's not exciting. Number one, it's oriented at kids, first and foremost. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. And second of all, um, if you've if you looked at any of the like design sort of documents or explanations for it, it's I think it's really encouraging kids in like a sort of um, STEM-oriented way to like understand okay. construction of things. And it has like step-by-step um, instructions as you're building it that encourages you to understand what you're building each piece you know, one piece at a time, like, oh, now that you put this together, see how like the the infrared is going to hit this button. And if you press it down, try it right now, you'll get this sound out of it or whatever. So I think that it's actually really encouraging kids to do um, some like, you know, mentally stimulating construction uh, and creative type projects rather than just being like, 
a video game that's a pain in the ass to put together, if that makes sense. Because I think a lot of people are reading it like that. Like, <clears throat> ugh, what, you want to sell me $70 of cardboard and I have to put it all together myself? It's like, no, kids like to build stuff. And the idea yeah. here is to get them to think about what they're doing when they build it. And it's also just, like, creative and unique, so... Well, well, now that you're bringing it up like that, like now I'm, I'm thinking about could I actually get that into my classroom and like get my students to because I, I think one of the th- you know, being a science teacher myself, one of the things that I really struggle with is in a lot of science labs, it's a lot of like, oh, find the slope. And then the kids find the slope and they're like, oh, great. I found the slope. That's awesome. So like I try to give the kids tasks. And one of my favorite labs that I do over the course of the year is like, here's a projectile motion launcher. You need to hit the target. And I'm not going to let you like launch and figure out where it's going to land and place the target. You have to figure out based on data where your uh, projectile is going to hit and your grade is determined by the target. And I, I make it really like Dark Souls where I'm like, oh, A, you defeated Orstein and Smo using your fist. And like B is you be quick. Uh, let me have some fun, Derek. Right. <laughs> let me have some fun. Maybe I'll make a Dragon Ball Z at some point. Um, but like, yeah, that could be really useful in the classroom and something that kids could get their hands on. So I appreciate you explaining that to me because I think it, it was one of those things where I, I realized right away, this is not being targeted to me as a gamer. And that doesn't mean that it's bad. And that doesn't mean Nintendo's crazy. That just means I don't understand what they're doing. And I think you articulated it very well. Oh, thanks. Well, and I don't know if it's going to be for me either, necessarily. And um, I'm not trying to be smug or condescending about it. I just think that there there have been so many nuclear takes about this on the internet that's like, holy hell, you guys need to calm down and realize that maybe they made this actually for children for once. And like, and I know plenty of people who play with Legos and stuff in their, you know, 30s and 40s. Like, that's fine. It has nothing to do with like, you know, you having to be a kid to appreciate it. It's just realize who it is oriented at before you start making these ridiculous criticisms of like Nintendo behind the times again. Like, no, they're just making something that isn't oriented at you. And also uh, this isn't something that I saw on Twitter, so I don't mean to take credit for it, but somebody pointed out that like, it's hilarious that those are the same people to the same people who jump on Nintendo for, you know, being too out of the box or too weird are the same ones who want to see like the 2000th first person shooter come to PS4 and Xbox one. Like, yeah. Those aren't creative anymore. You know, those are way less creatively uh, uh, interesting than anything Nintendo was doing with Labo, even if I don't really care about it necessarily. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Just like also, we don't always have to be really loudly aggressive about everything as soon as it comes out. Sometimes you can just like talk about it normally and figure it out as you go. Hot takes are a terrible invention. I just get really frustrated by the the dialogue. It's like, Jesus, people, calm down. And I'm not saying that I don't, like, I'm sure I've done it before, too. And, like, I'm not perfect in any means. And I'm sure I've been negative about things when I didn't need to be. But, like, I try not to be actively. So I was like, it was totally not what I expected, but it was kind of cool. I mean, I thought it was really neat to see, you know, they give you this sheet of cardboard and you punch it out and then you're creating it. And some of them looked incredibly complex with, yeah. I guess, rubber bands and moving parts. And I'm like, uh, I don't even know if I can build that. And I'm you know, 32 <laughs> years old. So. Right, yeah. um, it's not something that I'm probably going to spend money on, but I think it could be really cool for, for kids and for even grownups that want to, you know, get a sort of hands-on uh, interactive experience. I like how they're designing these different things to interact with the system, like not just, um, you know, you have your screen sitting there, but to actually make it a functional tool that you can use with the Switch, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm I'm now interested, and we'll we'll see where they go with that. And and Derek, I 100% agree with you. I love people like, oh, this is the end of Nintendo. I'm like, you do realize the Switch is spelling better than the Wii right now. Like yeah. that is th- that's something that I was like, that's never going to happen again. And here we are. Yeah. Like, and I don't I don't give a damn about being able to say I told you so or not. It's just like. No. If y'all would just calm down for half a second, then you wouldn't look like such idiots when things, you know, don't go your way. I saw another really good tweet about that earlier today, actually, and I, I, I don't remember exactly what it said, so I'm not going to articulate this super well. But it was just saying something along the lines of, you know, if you're the type of person who feels like you always need to, like, really loudly, aggressively, you know, comment upon whatever's happening, especially when, when it comes to, like, creativity in the gaming uh, industry, if if Nintendo succeeds with this venture the medium will expand. Mm-hmm. If Nintendo fails, the only thing that's going to happen is that they're going to be like, look like, you know, the, the medium will not expand. And then the people who yelled about it are just going to look like jerks. Yeah. Like, like I was, I was saying to a friend, I would think it'd be really cool if down the line, when the technology becomes more accessible and cheap, if we could expand this to like 3d printing. Yeah. Like imagine if they, you know, like with the switch three or whatever, you know, this would probably be, two or three or possibly four console generations down the line. But imagine if we had a peripheral that you could plug into the switch and actually 3d print things and then have them work with the switch for different uh, applications. I mean, the game board printer. Tech stuff. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Can't even imagine. Cool. Yeah. So uh, 2017 is over, and as is kind of uh, par for the course for the show, we like to take a look back at the previous year, some games and maybe some news stories that uh, caught our attention and we feel really passionately about, and then take a quick look into 2018 and uh, what we're excited about. Got Guys, I don't think Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out next year. <laughs> I, I just, I just, yeah, this year, you mean? Yeah. Uh, yes, 2018. I just... I, 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 <laughs> Um, I would, I would, I would, I wouldn't be surprised. I would, I kind of agree with you there. Uh, but let's talk about 2017 a little bit. And uh, the game that I actually want to start with was a game that came out very, very early. And I think all three of us kind of fell off of it, even though we really liked it. And we're all looking to get back to it. Uh, man, Yakuza Zero is an awesome freaking game. <laughs> it really is, and it's uh, it like some of the other games we're going to discuss later in this episode are games that were just sort of victims of timing and that they yeah. were excellent games that released around other excellent games. And then our attention was just diverted elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I haven't played a game that's captured the spirit of Shenmue quite like, yes. you know, ever yep. since Shenmue came out. And uh, I know there have been other Yakuza games in the interim, but I just never really, I don't know, some, no, nothing drew me to them. So when I finally jumped into Yakuza zero, which is a great starting point for people who haven't played other Yakuza games mm-hmm. as it's a prequel. Um, yeah. I was just like totally drawn in. I think, I don't want to start with a huge criticism, but I think that some of those cutscenes I think we've discussed are just like way too long winded. Yeah. Where yeah. it's just a bunch of people sitting around having very long, drawn out conversations. Uh but I, I think it crafts such fun atmosphere. And the atmosphere is actually or the I guess the playable explorable area is quite a bit smaller than I anticipated, but that's okay. It feels intimate. Uh because you can explore what is it? Kamurocho, I don't remember what the name yeah, is. Kamurocho, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can explore the city, and it like it, it's pretty small, but it's so densely packed, and it feels really alive, and it's full of all of those weird zany yakuza side activities, which for me is like the biggest draw. I'm I'm just really into the weird stuff, like the slot car racing, or you know, baseball mini games and stuff. I don't know why, but I I get really into that kind of stuff in games like yakuza because it it provides 
a fun contrast between the serious moments in the story. Uh, and then it also is just like, they're legitimately well-designed and fun generally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, actually, and sidebar, Yakuza 6, I saw when that comes out, that is going to have a full playable version of Virtua Fighter 5 in it with online play. What? <laughs> like, what? what the hell is that? Oh my God. Yeah. I- because that oh. one actually takes place in semi-modern day. So and, and um, so yeah, I've I've gotten back into Yakuza Zero. Um, and I, I fell off of it because, as Derek was saying, just so many games came out so fast last year. Like, I, I remember Resident Evil Seven came out like right around Yakuza Zero. Like, holy crap! And um, yeah, getting back into it, what I've come to realize about Yakuza Zero, and it's a lot like Persona Five, which I'm very guilty of not playing enough of. I need a lot of time to play those games. I can't put 15 minutes into Yakuza zero because you can't get into a whole lot of trouble in 15 minutes. Like you'll start a story beat. The cutscenes can go a little long, or maybe you do like a batting cage mini game. And so like, I need to set aside like two or three hours to really sit down and dig into Yakuza. And I've managed to do that over the past couple of weeks. My wife was kind enough. Like I came home from work one day and I was like, babe, I need like, serious introvert time like i i've been like running around like an idiot for four days i need just me time and so she was like pour yourself some scotch and just play some yakuza and like three hours later i was like i freaking love this game like whole like i was just into it and i was watching the cutscenes, and i didn't feel rushed it's it's meant to be played at a leisurely pace. And so, you know, there, this isn't a game of like high octane, like crazy action, even though the combat can be really, really fun. It, it's meant to be kind of absorbed. Like you're supposed to let these stories wash over you. I love how characters just like come out and just, they're like uh, Majima-san. And they're like, you know, they want to stop you and ask you for help. You, you kind of just have to breathe it all in. And it's a really, really cool experience if you give it that time. Mm-hmm. Majima is just amazing, isn't he? I don't like his fighting style as much as Kiryu, though. I love Kiryu's brawler style. Like, I've gotten so good with that that I just, like, annihilate 20 people in a row. And I I feel like Majima, like, unless you're using the slugger style, he just feels a little underpowered. Like, maybe it's just because where I am in the game right now, I'm in, like, chapter, end of chapter 11. Um, But I don't like his fighting style as much as Kiryu. Kiryu's brawler style is just so damn satisfying. Yeah, like, and it's and oh. it's fun and funny too. Like oh, a lot yeah. of those attacks are just kind of hilarious. He stuffs a bunch of nails into somebody's mouth and then punches them. It's just <laughs> like what? Like why? And of course, it's like you never kill anybody. Like you never kill anybody. Like you just do these horrible, horrible things to them. Um, and yeah, Yakuza Six is right around the corner. Kiwami came out, which was the remake of One. I bought that because it was like twenty dollars on Amazon. Stand. On Amazon, me too. Yeah, yeah I-, I bought it. And so uh, Yakuza Six comes out in March. The jump between Yakuza Zero and Yakuza Six. If you watch videos for Yakuza Six, that game looks insane. Like, because remember, Zero is running on an engine that was designed for PlayStation Three. It came out on PlayStation Three and PlayStation Four in Japan. But Yakuza 6 is like the first time that they've developed a game from the ground up for the PlayStation 4, and it really shows. Like, right. it looks super... There are things in Yakuza 0 that drive me a little nuts. Like, I hate when you use a heat action, like the camera breaks away, and almost all the time when I come back from that camera breakaway, somebody just, like, punches me right in the mouth real quick. And I'm just like, God damn it! like... It, like <laughs> That that kind of stuff makes the game feel a little older than uh, I think they anticipated, but Yakuza 6 looks great. And then it also really, really makes me want that Fist of the North Star game that they're making right now. Oh, yeah. Like a weird that thing, Yakuza crossover. 
that thing looks insane. Like it's got the eighties anime aesthetic going on. It's based off of, you know, one of the most bloody, violent, mad maxi, uh, animes of all time. I really hope we get that in America. Like, please, they, they put out a survey last year, like anybody interested. And I was like, how many times do you want me to fill this out? Like, I'll just keep, <laughs> just keep filing away. Yeah. Just keep filing it away. So yeah. Yakuza zero was great. I was really happy that the giant bomb cast uh, game of the year podcast, they talked about it so much. And that's what got me back in. I was just like, man, I, re- I did let that game go after about 20 hours and it just totally absorbed me again. Really, really great stuff. Yeah. Good game. Who, who else has a game that they really enjoyed this year? I'm sure you guys have other games. Um, Horizon. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I've, everyone knows how much I love Horizon, but like, um, I remember we saw it at E3 a couple years back, and it seemed cool, and I was interested, and then I kind of fell off my radar for a while, and then like a month or so before release, I started uh, reading up and, and watching, uh, or looking at screens and watching trailers and getting super hyped, and it was kind of getting to that point where I wanted to be super confident that it was going to be amazing, but I didn't want necessarily to, you know, fool myself into thinking, you know, oh, it's, it, it's something is going to go wrong with this game. I mean, like, it's just like, it looked so amazing that it's hard mm-hmm. to imagine that it would just succeed the way it did, but it did. I mean, there's, there's just, and I mean, like I could go on for, you know, for forever about what, everything that I think is amazing, but it's just, in a lot of ways, I felt like it was kind of the total package. It had, obviously, the graphics. It had a compelling story with a great protagonist. It had fun gameplay. Uh, it had beautiful atmospheric music. It had an open world that was, in a lot of ways, I feel like the perfect size for an open world because it was large, but it wasn't overwhelmingly large. Like, you could get from one side to the other in a reasonable amount of time. And while you do have things to do, like, you know, find tall necks and, oh, here's a, uh, a, a nest of maybe Thunderjaw or here's a nest of the frost claws or whatever. Uh, it wasn't, didn't really feel like it succumbed to open world syndrome the way that Ubisoft games do, where it's literally the map has five gazillion different activities for you to do within a small square radius. I mean, the map looks cluttered, but mostly it's because it's got, it's just telling you what animals or what machines you can hunt in different areas. It felt like it, the quest was meaty, but it wasn't overwhelmingly long. There were good side quests, but there weren't a lot of side quests that felt like they were just, uh, you know, low level fetch, you know, with little story involved, everything, all the characters, all the side characters felt like they had purpose. And it was just, it was an amazing experience from start to finish that I enjoyed playing multiple times. And then the DLC came out and that was also really great DLC um, that came out within the same calendar year as the game itself. And that's, yeah. that's pretty impressive when you think about it. So mm-hmm. um, I, it, it's, it's my personal game of the year, which you'll see when we get the, uh, the editor, the the personal awards up. So I loved it. I also need to jump back on that one, just like Yakuza. I played it for maybe two hours or so. Uh, Well, maybe like somewhere between two and four before I uh, jumped onto Breath of the Wild and I just never got back to it. But 
now that it's a new year, new year, new me, I'm ready to like devote a bunch of time to it because it's, it's super good. Do yeah. it. I, I really want to play it. It just, it, it got caught up in that, uh, that breath of the wild persona five time for me. And mm-hmm. it, it sucks because it sounds like the game really does stand out on its own and it does a lot of really great things, but it, like the world kind of ended when Breath of the Wild came out. <laughs> like, well, because you also had the Switch launch, which was like everybody being very, very excited about this new thing. Like my students started going crazy for the Switch. And then they released, you know, a really, really good Zelda game. Like they did. And I think that because they're both open world games, even though they're doing things so different, I, I think they ended up like Zelda ate Horizons lunch a little bit. And that sucks. Like, remember when... um. Oh God, what was it? Uh, Max Payne three came out like the same week as Diablo three, or something like that, and yeah. it was, and it was just like, well, Max Payne three screwed. Like you're at, like you're coming out with one of the most anticipated games of all time. Like everybody, get the hell out of Diablo three's way, and uh, it, it sucks that Horizon was released so close to Breath of the Wild. Uh, mm. but it is a game I want to play, and I, I think they have a they have a version that has the downloadable content, correct? And it's reasonably priced. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's yeah. fifty. I think it's actually isn't it more now? Because you were able to find like a copy of uh the original Horizon for around twenty bucks for uh, the holidays, and then the DLC is twenty, right? Yes. So complete no, edition wait, fifteen. I thought. Oh, okay, fifteen. Yeah. So complete edition is is retail price fifty right now. So depending on if you had the original at a cheaper price, then it may be cheaper for you to just grab the DLC. But mm. um, I have no doubt that the the complete edition will drop in price too and that's the one i'll probably end up getting because my roommate has the original um but you know i'm not going to live with him forever and i don't know exactly when i'll get to this so i just want to own it too because it's good yeah yeah it's very good right. oh well uh, okay i'm sorry right now no, it's no, no, 15. no go ahead it's 15 right now for ps plus members it's 20 uh oh, okay normally, so but then again like aren't we all ps plus members i think we yeah. all have to be right I think I just got my email saying that mine's about ready to re-up. So, so, yeah, I renewed mine for uh, Monster Hunter World, even though I uh, <laughs> I've bounced off of every Monster Hunter game until now. But that demo really it kind of sold did, me on it. That that demo did nothing for me. I guess we I can know. talk about the 2018 release right now. Like I, man, I just bounced right the hell off it. Like, why don't we Why don't we just do that in a block with the 2018 stuff? Okay, like, okay, yeah. we'll come yeah. we'll come back to it. That sounds good, Derek. You're in charge. Uh, <laughs> so I guess we got to talk about the 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 elephant in the room, which is Breath of the Wild. Which um, I I think for me, like I, I've had like a year to really think about Breath of the Wild, and and to be honest, I actually haven't thought about it that much. Like it was one of those games that I just like burned super bright on for like two and a half, three weeks, and then just fell off, and I have zero desire to touch it again. Um, to me, that might end up being the most important game of the year, just from a open world design standpoint. Caitlin talked about how like a lot of the Ubisoft open world games are just like icons all over the map and like go do all these icons for all of my problems with Breath of the Wild. And I still think it's a very, very good game. I really do. The way that game handled the natural like get high look around find something interesting go investigate it organically that's something i really want more open world games to take away like that you know i like open world games where i just get a list of things to do like one of my favorite open world games is red faction gorilla like i absolutely adore that game and it's basically just like here's a bunch of side missions go blow shit up and have fun 
I, I really like the way Breath of the Wild handled all of that organically. And I think that's going to be the big takeaway from that game moving forward. Hopefully not the destructible weapons. Um, yeah, like, please. Yeah. yeah, let's not have weapons made of butter and fear. Like, let's actually, like, have, <laughs> let's actually, like, give me, if I get the goddamn wait, wait. Master Sword. Salted or unsalted? Um, clearly not salted. Always okay. salted. Like, like, well, I, it should be salted. It's but salted because, by the time Rob is finished with it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. Just, just all the salt. <laughs> but, um, no, it, it, um, it, it's like getting the goddamn Master Sword in that game and, and having it break or lose power and I have to wait. Like, that was one of the most, like, disheartening moments of the year for me. But, like... Breath of the Wild does so many things so well, and I, I think developers are going to take things away from it. It might take them years to figure it out. Like, I don't think we should expect, like, the next uh, Watch Dogs game to be like Breath of the Wild. It took uh, how long for Assassin's Creed Origins to get a lot of Witcher 3 in there. But I, I think Breath of the Wild could be one of the most important games of the year, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I, I agree totally from agree. an open-world perspective. I, sure, I... sure. Everything else about Breath of the Wild I really didn't like, but I loved the world. Yeah, yeah, and I'm happy to hear they're doing another one. And well, because you know, duh, the sun. Of came course, come on. Um, but I, I think that it's a. I, I want them to really look at the formula. You know, I, I'm weird. I want my traditional Zelda dungeons, like I just do. And I thought the the Divine Beasts were a very, very poor substitute. I think they need to decide if they want to include more RPG elements because that game feels like it's sorely lacking, like a real upgrade system and real mm-hmm. loot. Where I think that that would have made the game a lot better, a, a lot better for me. Um, but, you know, overall, it was a very, very impressive experience, something that I liked a lot, as my wife just brought the puppy downstairs. <laughs> Tell is, us about your puppy. What kind of puppy is this? Was he was he whining for yeah. me? Like well, we're in the middle of recording, so I can say hi. This puppy does not like me. What are you talking about? Oh, you're <laughs> your new dog, right, Rom? Uh, yeah, this I, thought, new... I thought you said this puppy, like, comes over to you and sits on you and falls asleep. Well, he already has, and now he's it's a little basset hound puppy, and now he's sleeping on me. And oh. I think he likes you. No, but no, he wasn't. Okay, so Breath of the Wild, um, definitely very, very enjoyable. Do we think we get a handheld Zelda before we get another big Switch release? Yeah, I would say so. For you mean like for 3ds? Yeah, for 3ds, or even like a small Switch game. Yeah, I was gonna say tough to say if it'd be a 3ds one or not. They they continue to support the 3ds long beyond where I thought they would have. Um, Seeing as for me, like I don't want to play stuff on my 3ds anymore. I just want to play on Switch. Yeah. I could see them doing like a, a uh, you know, Link Between Worlds style game on the Switch at a lower price. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but who knows? Or maybe they'll just do both and say, "Here's a version for 3ds and for Switch. Pick your poison." That could it, be was a, it was a cool game, but like those uh, DLC packs, they did not interest me enough to uh, to come back. They didn't interest me enough to come back. And I'm still in the middle of the first one. I got to like the first save point in it, and I just I lent it to a friend, and then uh, she gave it back. Actually, just like two or three days ago, and I haven't gotten back to it yet. But I will. Eventually. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> those puppy noises. That, that's that's puppy uh, puppy doing his best howling impression right now. He's whining. Oh, baby. Well, um, for 2017 releases, I have a pretty long list, and I I don't want to go into super detail on most of these, just because I think we've discussed a lot of them at length, and um, there's not really any need to have, you know, rehash the same discussions over and over. But 
Um, okay, so just kind of quick hits. So Stormblood, Final Fantasy XIV's second expansion, I think was excellent. Had a really, really high-quality story that um, resonated with me, and I, I felt like it was super well-written and great atmosphere. Um, it was just fun from start to finish. And while I think that the post-launch support for the uh, patches hasn't been quite as uh, high-quality as it was for Heavensward, it's it's still good, and there's like a patch coming out for it um, in about 10 days from this recording. Rob, did you hear about what they're doing? In fourteen, uh, so I heard about the Final Fantasy Tactics stuff. I've been muting myself because the dog's been whining. Oh, okay, um, they're, they, they're adding the, uh, the Phantom Team. stuff. Yeah, they're the doing uh, they're they're doing like a Kafka thing. Uh, well, they're adding. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a bunch of bosses from Final Fantasy. Can I suplex yeah. a train? It's probably. The, probably. It's the I new. Would not the be new. The new round of Omega or Raid um, bosses mm-hmm. are going to be Final Fantasy VI themed, which probably means that Kefka will be um, the final boss. The yeah, of, yeah the V8 yeah. boss, I guess, would be, mm-hmm. or the, the OS, depending on what uh, shorthand you prefer. So right. I can't wait to hear the remixes. We already got a taste of one with the trailer. So can you imagine, like, Dancing Mad or the boss battle theme? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're already working on or decisive it. Decisive so. battle, rather, I should say. It's not boss battle, but well, wasn't isn't the decisive battle already thing that the song that plays for Ultros? And um, am I thinking of a different song? I don't know. <laughs> like, nah, 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 I I never got far enough in six to fight Ultros. So oh okay, all right. Well, anyway, um, so Stormblood, uh, one of my top favorite games of the year, favorite experiences. I think it was really good, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Near Automata, we've talked about that a whole lot. Rob, you mentioned that um, you know playthrough B just didn't happen for you, and yeah. that's a bummer. But I, I, I listened to like all the spoiler stuff on uh, Giant Bomb, and we've talked about doing a spoiler podcast for Near uh, Automata. I really, really like all the messaging in that game. Um, I, I do want to have a discussion with you at some point, Derek, about the fact that the one of the things that that game does is exactly the same thing from Nier, and I don't know how I feel about that. Like, mm-hmm. everybody kind of saying how amazing of a reveal that is, and I'm like, well, they did that before, but is this maybe okay because they, you know, not a lot of people played that first game? I don't know. Um, I think also maybe there was uh, a little bit more of a social unifying element yes. to that, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, That's true. And and I like all the directions of that story, but when I started up Route B and I started doing the hacking minigame, as much as I love the hacking minigame music, and that is like so cool to have those 8-bit tracks come in uh, with the regular overworld theme and how seamless that is, I just could not get into the way uh, 9S played. I just really couldn't get into, and everybody was saying you just need to barrel through this because Route C is so absolutely amazing. But I just that combat system never developed into anything that I was really impressed with. Um, it, this has kind of been the story of 2017 for me in a nutshell. That that map and quest system was abysmal. Mm-hmm. Like like to the point of like when you apologize for it in game, you're being cute, but you're also pissing me off like substantially <laughs> yeah like, well maybe we can do a spoiler cast and really get in depth on a lot of that stuff um i, I really don't want to spend too much time on each of these because there are two that i do want to talk about so i'm gonna right, blaze, right. blaze through the rest of this list um persona 5 you know landmark game in terms of audiovisual design it's beautiful to look at i spent you know well over 100 hours with it and i love my experience i didn't think that all of the themes were especially resonant this time around but i still love right. the game overall um rakuen which is the game by Laura Shigihara. You might know her from the music from the game To the Moon, which we did like a huge coverage blowout for many years back when it came out. Um, it's just like the super indie game. 
uh, you might think that it's an RPG Maker game when you look at it, but it's it's actually built with like a custom engine. It's uh, it's just like a really beautiful and poignant story of this young boy who's in a hospital and goes to another world and uh, like has all these fantastical creatures and stuff. So it's kind of like an adventure on his deathbed fever dream kind of thing, a la, <laughs> I was going to say, um, Eternal Sonata, except he's not a famous Polish composer. But anyway, Rakuen, beautiful experience. Highly recommend that. Um, FF12, The Zodiac Age, amazing. <laughs> like probably the best remake of a game I've seen. Yeah, that was um oh my god, you made me forget about Dragon Quest 8. Um okay, uh, <laughs> no, I so we we talked about um Zodiac Age a lot and I was shocked because it took them, you know, in my estimation it took them two more tries to really make Final Fantasy 12 something amazing. And I I know Final Fantasy 12 resonated for a lot of people. Uh you know, we did our 30 year write up of Final Fantasy and I talked about how when I played that game in college like it was one of my biggest letdowns. Like I was super excited to play it. I could see all the pieces and I I really wanted it to work. International edition got close, but didn't quite do it. And then the Zodiac age was fantastic. Kind of kicking myself that I didn't wait for the PC release. Um, But but just buy it again. Well, I, I probably will when it's on steam for like five bucks, but it also was like, it was right in the middle of summer. I was doing my summer teaching and I needed something to play. And I was surprised how much final fantasy 12 just took me over for two weeks. And I played through the whole thing. I did it with a smile on my face. Some things are, you know, still a little antiquated. The hunt system could be uh, pared down again. But if you told me that they were going to make another game in that style, oh, man, I'd get really, really excited. I really, really would. FF16, please, Square, please. Or just 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 make Zodiac Gage 2. Like, just Mm -hmm. do something. Because that system, I, I still think that game, out of all of the games where you have programmable AI and think about all the games that have done that on the Western RPG side, you have all the dragon age games, a little bit of mass effect in there. Uh, Nothing has ever gotten it as good as final fantasy 12. And that's insane to think that, that that game is still the gold standard for programmable AI that doesn't do stupid things and how seamlessly it plays and the way they they fix zodiac age where now you get stronger with the second job class and opening up abilities makes you more versatile like when you open up the uh asuna skill and you can like get rid of all negative status ailments like that frees you up to do so much cool stuff with all the if dan statements that was really impressive and and hats off to square enix for giving that game a third try like, you know, third time was the charm and Final Fantasy twelve is now like it's really high up there for me in terms of Final Fantasy's story, notwithstanding, starts amazing. We know what happened with the development of that game. But from a pure gameplay standpoint, I think it's going to hold that space that like Final Fantasy V does. Where like Final Fantasy V is that game that everybody speed runs every year and they use crazy combinations of character yeah. classes. I think twelve's going to start to uh, occupy that space. And that's really cool. That's a really great point. I didn't think about yeah. that. And that's a that's a really good way for it to live on yeah. and play to its strengths. So good. I'm and glad see, you can learn on it. I've been a 12 fan girl forever. Everyone knows this. I love the original version. But see, I thought you hated 12, Caitlin. I thought no. you absolutely hated 12. I'm just I'm teasing. Yeah, you know better. <laughs> but your your experience with Zodiac Age is exactly what makes me so happy and proud of Square for yeah. doing this because I think you, like a lot of people, we needed a a second attempt at this game, a second chance. And Zodiac Gage gives the game its best 
uh, its best chance and its best uh, performance as a game, uh, probably, you know, for all time now, because I don't think they're going to remake it again. Um, although if they did, I would buy it. Um, so it's just, I'm, I've talked about 12 so much, I'm not going to talk about it much at all, but just to say, I love that. I mean, I love the game itself, but I love that how they remade it made people come back to it, try it mm -hmm. again, and see that despite the issues, there is a gem here. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing mm -hmm. that this game, you know, the original version of this game is over 10 years old, and it's it's kind of kicking the butt of some more recent RPGs. Yep. So, you know. Yeah, I'm really happy with how well-received it was critically, too. and like, yeah. And people embraced it. They were ready for it. So. And and also it um between that and Dragon Age eight on 3ds which I'm Dragon gonna, Quest uh, oh my what did I say, did I say Dragon Age <laughs> oh god I'm did just imagining Dragon, Dragon what happened to four five now. six seven uh, all of them um no Dragon Quest eight on 3ds was an amazing remake as well and both uh, Zodiac Age and Dragon Quest eight kind of showed me that adding the ability to really speed up the battles in traditional Japanese role playing games is really really crucial and. I think we want to see more of that. I don't necessarily think that you could do something like that in a timing-based game like Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah, that um, would get kind of messy. Yeah, that would get really messy. But in a game where it's about so many auto attacks and about more like just kind of driving the action, or when the animations are overly long, like Dragon Quest Eight, looking at the original PS2 release, like the animations were really, really long in combat. And that took an 80-hour game, and the 3DS version is now a 40-hour game. Mm-hmm. And so more of that, please. Um, you know, I got a little, I got a little testy in our uh, game of the year deliberations when I said, you know, uh, behind closed doors, like Dragon Quest Eight needs to be included as one of the the best uh, re-releases of the year because that took what is, in my opinion, one of the best RPGs of the PS2 era and made it even better. And I was worried that with the visual downgrade, I wouldn't be able to recommend it to people. And now it's like, no, nope, everybody should play this game. Like I would play the 3DS version over the PlayStation 2 version. And that's, I mean, that's really cool. Yeah, and good quality of life. Improvement. I, I would better. really like to know more about Dragon Quest XI. It's coming, don't worry. Okay, can I get through my list? No, Derek, no. <laughs> I don't have much more. Well, I have four more. Uh, two very quick hits. Etrian Odyssey 5. I thought was uh, a welcome, like, Etrian Odyssey refresh. It had been several years since the last numbered Etrian Odyssey game had come out. Um, I felt like they did some cool shakeups to the core mechanics by separating classes and races. I liked the environments. Soundtrack was great. I um, really liked it. And it's not perfect, but what came in? Um, East 8 also. Um, we talked about that a lot. Um, they are releasing the translation patch for that, at, or the relocalization patch for that, excuse me, at the end of this month on the 30th, I believe, of January. Just so for that's, uh, PlayStation 4 and Vita. The PC version has been delayed again. Right, indefinitely, too. So I don't really know what's up with that. I don't really want to heap negativity on that, but I, you know, I wish them well. I hope they figure it out. I still think that the series would have been better off in Exceed's hands, but whatever. <laughs> uh, not, Derek, I don't mean to interrupt, but I do want to ask. Um, with, with, I believe, 2018 going to be the year of East for uh, for Rob Steinman, as, as 2017 and 16 were the year of Dragon Quest, um, do you think I should give uh, the Switch version of East 8 a shot? I, yeah. I know you haven't seen anything of it yet, but like, I would imagine that's got to be comparable to the PlayStation 4 it's, version. They, yeah, they said it's going to be based on the PS4 version, not okay. the Vita version. So. Yeah, and and what I was going to get, I was going to pick it up on PC. I was really excited, and then they announced the the Switch port, and I said, "Up, oh, that's the way I want to play that game." 
yeah. like that. And, and do you think the relocalization will, will do a lot? Like, is that like, uh, yeah. Cause the gameplay was supposedly they, fine, right? They, like, they said that they, they, they basically had to redo everything. With right. Right? They re-recorded voices and stuff too. Yeah. Oh boy. So, and um, also because it, it bears repeating people, a lot of people have like exploded into rage over the localization over time. And while I appreciate the like the willingness to criticize about localization because localization does make a big difference in games. Um, you know, it's not like incomprehensible. You can mm-hmm. still understand the game just fine and like it's it is adequate, but it feels like the kind of translation we used to get back in the Super Nintendo days compared to what we get now. And uh, given that the series has always had a really good localization ever since Xseed got a hold of them, like we know what that series is capable of and this just felt like such a step backwards. And it's just full of clumsy stuff like you know, they, they're really obvious Japanese translations of stuff. And I've already talked about this before, so we don't need to keep beating it down. But yeah, I think that the new localization is absolutely the best way to experience it for the first time. So. I One thing, I, I know we don't harp on it too much, but one thing I still can't fathom is when you're going into areas and even in the Japanese version, they name it in English because that's a thing that happens mm-hmm. often enough uh 12 did that too where they would actually show the area names in english with japanese below and they would change that name inexplicably in the localization to something that sounded awkward as hell and i still don't understand the logic behind that so, yeah. sorry i, right. I, I don't want to be like big damn hole. you nisa but <laughs> it's still like it's just a weird like it's already in english and it sounds good why would you i mean like why yeah. So uh, funny enough, they actually released an updated screenshot of one of the new localized things. And that, that area in question that you're probably talking about is the Archaeozoic <laughs> Big Hole. Yes. Yeah. They have retranslated it as Archaeozoic Chasm, which is like, duh. That's so much better. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's like one of the most sexual things I've ever heard in my yeah. entire life. <laughs> uh-huh. Like not trying to be crude, but like, holy God, like that. Mm. Damn, that okay. hole is archaeozoic. Okay, sounds, anyway. It sounds like a hentai they used to have in the back of like a blockbuster video behind the curtains. Like oh, my that God. Just... <laughs> oh, and the curtains smell so bad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two more on my, on my 2017 All list. Right, I know. Right. I, I don't mean to take up so much of our time or anything. It just, I think a, a lot of us have stuff to say about several of these things too. So I hope it's fostering good discussion. Um, two more uh, Trails in the Sky Third that came out in 2017, believe it or not. And I. I kept looking back like, did it? Did it really come out in 2017? Because that series, you know, has had such a tumultuous release schedule up and down. And I almost forgot that it came out because I played it. I loved it. uh, I recommended it to people. And then it just sort of faded from my memory when it came time to do the Game of the Year lists. And I think that's unfair to it. So um, Trails in the Sky 3rd did an incredibly good job of wrapping up the Trails in the Sky trilogy. Featured a a good main character, Kevin, um, who was in the second game. And he really came into his own in the third game. I just really appreciated that it was just a like super solid ass turn-based JRPG. And it did a lot to resolve a lot of character arcs and open the door for more stuff in the future. Um, some of which is still being explored in future trail games. So yeah, uh, Trails in the Sky 3, I'm just so happy that that came out and that we got it at all. Um, and that we got a really you know high quality version of it. They did a, a, a great job, I think, on that localization, which I always feel like I have to preface. I'm like, I'm really nervous about talking about exceed stuff in general because i did work for them once so yeah this is not me i'm not paid in any way to endorse their stuff i just think they're a good company and they do good work um anyway yeah and so my last one okay 
This probably doesn't fall super within our coverage. It does have damage numbers and stuff. And uh, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I, I make the rules. If I would have played this any earlier than December 30th, 2017, then it would absolutely be in my top five games of the year, and that is Hollow Knight. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. You you Hollow went nuts Knight on this game is incredible. I played it for probably like 30 hours over the course of four days or something, and I mean, I, I was spending every waking moment of free time I had playing Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is, you know, like a Metroidvania-style game, 2D. And I know the word is beaten to death, but it's the most succinct way to describe what kind of game it is. So it's an action <laughs> platformer where you, you know, progress through areas and you can go back to old ones using abilities that you find, etc. You play as this little bug knight. He looks kind of like a stag beetle, I guess, with a little horned helmet. <laughs> and he's really cute. And you're just exploring this, this like super atmospheric, melancholy, ruined world where there used to be a bug kingdom and like hardly anybody is left. And, and most of the people who are left are weirdly like they've gone insane or they're um, possessed by something. It's hard to tell. Um, the story is it's definitely there. There's the story for sure, but it doesn't, it's not spoon fed to you, you know, with uh, mandatory cutscene after mandatory cutscene. There are some throughout the course of the game, but I just really appreciate the sort of openness of its design. Like it never tells you where to go. And yet, I never felt super lost. And if I did start to feel like, hmm, I'm not sure where I should go. Am I going the right way? I could usually still progress, even if it, you know, seemed like it was harder than it should have been or whatever. And it's not like the enemies have uh, um, like high levels that make it impossible to kill them or anything, because you can still get through whatever you want. And I would love to see some speed runs of this game, actually. Um, but yeah, Hollow Knight, I think, is impeccably designed. It has one of the best atmospheres I have seen in a video game in a very, very long time. And as much as I hate the comparison, it is the most Souls-like game that isn't yes. called Souls that I have played in a really long time. But I enjoyed! I loved it. it! It was like taking the Souls concept of if your character dies, you have to go retrieve your body, more or less. And it's, you know, it's punishing, but or challenging, but not overly punishing kind of thing. It, it translated that into a medium that was palatable for me and accessible for me. And it's like, I don't know, it just it tickled my fancy. It pushed my buttons and God damn, do I love Hollow Knight. I super, super recommend it when it comes out on Switch this year. Yeah, and, that's, that's the version I'm waiting for. I, I and they're working on free DLC for it, too. They've yeah. already come out with one or two things. So uh, That just, again, the Switch is my preferred platform right now. It's quickly starting to re- actually replace my PC as long as the ports are good. And uh, I really have been excited to play Hollow Knight. I was bummed that it got pushed to 2018, but it's another one of those cases of I want the game to be good. So, like, take your time, release it. Um, is there... I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I've been purposely keeping myself in the dark. Are there... Is there equipment like a Souls game or like a Salton Sanctuary? Or is it, like, no, not really? No, you can level up your weapon. Like, okay. you can get ores and take it to a blacksmith and just level it up. But there's only one core okay. weapon. Um, okay. There's lots of, like, spell-type things that you can get. And you can alter... The way that those work basically you have um trinkets i think they're called in the game and it's like you have a you have notches on your belt and each trinket takes up a different number of notches and you can sort of think of them as like uh, i mean they're just charms more or less so it's like equip this one and you can triple jump equip this one and then your spells do double damage hmm. i mean they have a lot of unusual ones like equip one and then you'll have like a little swarm of flies around you that'll protect you from enemies or um gosh i can't even think of stuff one like uh, oh, um, I forgot to mention the game has a really good risk-reward mechanic in terms of combat because 
the the core the core mechanic is like you know you have a little sword that you can swing and when you hit enemies or get hit i think it's when you get hit too um you have a soul gauge and it fills up and you can spend that soul either on magic attacks or you can hold the button down to like charge and restore your health and you can only store a certain amount of soul at a time so it's like you can charge enough by default to like restore three units of health, but it's slow and it's gradual. And so you really have to weigh if it's safe for you to get away from an enemy and like hold down the charge button. So there are things like um, if you hold down the charge button to heal, you turn into like a slug that can move around while you're healing or uh, you turn invisible or whatever. So yeah, there's like a lot of freedom in, in figuring out how you want to set up your character. And so it doesn't have numbered equipment that you can buy at shops. It does have, sh- it does have a lot of shops and you can buy trinkets there and stuff. So like the the final boss is pretty damn challenging. And when I was looking up some people's advice online on what kind of builds to use, I saw stuff all over the place. Like mm. some people were like, go really magic heavy. You should equip all this and you should do this attack. And then other people were like, oh no, I went full melee. And, you know, and they all were viable. So there is some RPGness to Hollow Knight, which is sort of what I'm using to justify me talking about it here. Um, but I'll, I'll just wrap it up by saying that Hollow Knight, if you're interested in the sort of atmosphere of a Souls game, but they don't jive with you, like they don't jive with me, please try Hollow Knight. Even if you don't like Souls, I think Hollow Knight is just an incredibly solid, you know, sort of open action platformer that has amazing art and uh, audio design. So please play Hollow Knight. That's my endorsement. One of us. One One of us. us. One of us. Okay, I talked a lot about my games. uh, (laughs) And I have a whole list for 2018 too, but I'll move through that one a lot faster. When we go. All right. All right. So, so Caitlin, anything that we missed there and, and Derek's cavalcade of insane video games there? Uh, so I have a few. Um, okay. One of them would be Night in the Woods. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which was just an amazing experience. Um, I, I remember I didn't even know this game existed before E3 in 2016. Like, yeah. Uh, and I think I only checked it out because um, I think it was uh, Fenner, um, Robert Fenner was talking about it and I was like, hmm. So I watched an interview uh, with the creators and they had some gameplay and I was like, wait a second, you're telling me that I get to play as a flippant, sarcastic college dropout girl who happens to be a cat and everyone, they, they're all animals. And it's got this gorgeous... Uh, side-scrolling art style and you're just going around your hometown hanging around with your friends and oh there might be some supernatural shit that you have to figure out i was like sign me up and then i played it and actually uh, streamed it blind and that was a really fun experience uh for the site and i just fell in love i think from like the very first hour of the game it's incredibly smart in its writing it is relatable as all heck it is heartfelt. If you do not see yourself in May or one of her friends or one of the characters, then you must be like a zombie or something because it's, I mean, I said it's relatable. I mean, like these characters, they feel like they have issues that we can relate to as real people. You know, even May dropping out from college and having to deal with everyone asking her questions about why she dropped out and, um, one of her friends was my absolute favorite character in the game, B, uh, Beatrice. She's just an amazing, uh, collection of obviously a lot of pent up, uh, issues with, uh, family issues and, and, and trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life. And is her life just going to be kind of what it is here in this, uh, this sort of dying, uh, rust belt kind of town. It's a mining town basically is what it is. 
Mm -hmm. um, and her relationship with May and the, the frictions that they have because of May's going off to college and piecing off, piecing out and kind of thing. It's just, it's a beautiful relationship that um, I love to death. And then of course it has amazing music. It has possibly my favorite soundtrack um, of the year, although Xenoblade 2 came in right at the end there and kind of uh, beat everything else off with a stick. Um, but it's an amazing soundtrack. There's a ton of music, two full albums of hours of music, and all of it is worthwhile listening to. So I love the game. Um, I bought it twice because I was like, I want to play it on my PS4, but I also want to play it on my laptop. And now it's coming to Switch uh, next month, uh, February 1st, I believe it's coming to Switch. And I'm going to buy it again because, you know, of course I am. <laughs> um, so it is totally worth, I think, everyone checking out. You will fall in love with it. Um, they've they updated the existing versions with the Weird Autumn Edition, which adds additional hangouts and also gets you access to some of the uh, pre-release, the Kickstarter games that they made um, before the game came out proper. Um, so it's got there's a lot of stuff uh, to check out, and you know whether it's PC, PS4, Switch, you know. Check it out. I I cannot recommend this game well enough, or uh, enough, possibly well enough too, because I'm, <laughs> I'm stumbling my words a little bit. But yeah, it's good. It's very good. It's on my list. Uh, it's it's part of that list of 2017 games that just escaped me, just like Yakuza and Horizon and a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, I really want to check it out now that it's coming to Switch. Well, unlike Yakuza and Horizon, it's a lot shorter, so you can get through it a lot faster. Um, you can you should be able to probably get through it in a couple in like a couple days at most. Yeah. So, okay. and there's replay value, uh, a, a, a lot of it because every or almost every day you're choosing a friend to hang out with and you can only pick one. And oh, okay. both of the stories, the, the two main friends that you're hanging out with, uh, Greg and B, they are both very, you know, well, well-written and, and worthwhile stories. So it's worth playing through the game multiple times to hang out with different characters. And now, now that the Weird Autumn Edition, which I haven't gotten around to uh, checking out yet, throws in even more hangouts, I'm sure there's going to be even more cool stuff to find. So, yeah. So play it. Okay, I will. Yes. Be a trash mammal. Don't, or don't be a trash mammal and play Night in the Woods. You got so. it. Um, so... I agree with everything Derek said about Stormblood. Um, I thought it was a great expansion, and uh, I'm I still think Heaven's Word is better. But we have a couple patches of Stormblood left to sort of um, get the story out there. So I'm reserving a final opinion on it as an expansion until we're done with Stormblood. But it's been a lot of fun. Um, obviously, we talked about twelve already, so I'm not going to mention that. But that is definitely on my list. Um, I really enjoyed the PC port of Cold uh, Trust of Cold Steel. Oh, yes, um, so did I, was, since you got it for me. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which, thank you. You're welcome. I gotta share the trails, love, right? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I had already played it, you know, on PS3, obviously, but I was super ready to jump into that again. So yeah, it's uh, it's probably the best version of the game um, yep. because it improves uh, everything. You know, you've got. Um, 
the graphics obviously you know it, it's not it's not a super graphically intensive game to begin with but obviously on pc you make a lot of improvements and it fixes pretty much all of the performance issues that the ps3 and vita version had um, that is frame rate issues are pretty much non-existent so if um I know, Derek, that kind of bugged you when you were playing uh, yeah. the game. So that's, yeah, yeah, it was a problem. Yeah, so that's a thing of the past. They even uh, did the amazing thing, and they recorded extra dialogue, um, most notably Reen. Um, there's almost no areas of the game where Reen is the only non-voiced character amongst, like, 10-plus different people all speaking. So it feels a lot smoother and more natural. Um, it's not 100%. There's still plenty of non-voice stuff, but it's nice that they went back because they could they could have just ported it as it was and left it alone. Yeah. But it's nice that they did that. They're doing the same thing with Cold Steel 2 when that comes out on PC, presumably later this year. Um, so and it's just it is a great port. So um, I didn't mind, of course, you know, uh, getting it twice. Um, if you haven't gotten the first you know i the, the original version of the game and you have a pc even just a moderate uh pc you don't need super specs to play this game i'd recommend you get the pc version because it is the best version until we see what the ps4 version looks like um whenever we get that down the road because the ps4 version you know could end up being basically the pc version on ps4 so um <laughs> Let's see. Um, brief mention for Assassin's, Assassin's Creed Origins. I have not played a lot of it, so I don't want to necessarily say it's super amazing. But what I have played of it, I have enjoyed uh, more so than previous Assassin's Creed games. Um, Assassin's Creed 4, I'm looking at you. Uh, it, it's a beautiful game. I really, really like Bayek as a main character so far. Uh, I think I've seen people say that he's the best protagonist since Ezio, and thus far, I completely agree. He's got, he's a, he's not a charmer like Ezio, but he does have a, a little bit of snark to him at times. But he's also a really compassionate character, and a he's a he's really good with kids. I love him with kids. Um, it's still you know an Assassin's Creed game, so you still got. Uh, lookouts to to climb and different things to do, but thus far, it feels like they reined it in maybe a little bit with the open world bloat. Um, and I mean, maybe that maybe that opinion will change as I get further into the game. But I haven't felt as overwhelmed with things on the map to do as yeah. I have in previous games. And part of that is because I feel like they've put more effort into those activities. It's not just, here's a space and you're gonna steal some stuff and there's gonna be no story involved with it, although there are things like that on the map, but there are lots of side quests that involve talking to people and branching, or not branching neighbors, but you know, a, a not just a simple go here, do that. There may be multiple stops along a side quest and that, feels like an improvement for me over sort of the, like I said, the open world bloat of previous games. But I am still very early on, in, on to it. I just got to Alexandria, so clearly I have a lot more to play, and I don't want to necessarily like be, it's super awesome on my list, but I felt like I deserve some mention, because it's, it's made a good impression thus far. 
should they have just dropped the Assassin's Creed stuff from that game and just made it like this crazy Egyptian adventure? Because that that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from it. Like everybody's saying that the Assassin's Creed stuff at this point is just completely vestigial and kind of dead to begin with. Ever since Assassin's Creed Three, like the story. Oh, do you mean do you mean the uh, the real world the, the yeah like stuff? like all that stuff should just go and it should have just been like by X crazy adventure in Egypt like call it you know e- Egypt Magi Simulator or something like that and everybody would have been totally fine with it and maybe been more accepting of you know how many new RPG elements and everything were in this game. Um, I haven't gotten far enough to make a judgment on that. Um, I I only just in my last session got the first real world uh, or present time segment, and so I don't really know how it fits in with everything or if it's going to fit in. The one thing I will say that does kind of piss me off is that they canonized the crappy uh, Michael Fassbender film with this. There are references in the present time portions to characters from that film and to the the wacky uh, umbilical uh, version of the am uh, the animus that they use in that in the movie so i'm kind of like i mean maybe i shouldn't be surprised because clearly they had to license the film in the first place so it would be kind of weird if they didn't make it official but at the same time it was a shitty movie <laughs> and i'm just kind of like why can we just pretend that it didn't exist? Can you please just... I don't want to think about this. If, if we all had to live through the Super Mario Brothers movie, then we all had to live through Assassin's Creed. And, and frankly, I think right. we should go back and we should hey, make it... We I should like make it, the Mario Brothers movie, okay? It was awful, but I liked it. We should make it canon that John Leguizamo is Luigi and everything makes more sense. Yes! We should canonize that. Uh, then, like... Um, John Wick becomes really interesting. I think it's time for a John Wick video game. Like, I want that gun kata in a video game. Yes! I love John Wick 1 and 2. Uh, and also, Assassin's Creed Origins, a lot of talk that they, they took a lot of influence from The Witcher. Like, lots of quests and lots of storylines going on. People that need help from crocodiles and stuff. I, I'll admit, I was a little intrigued to play that, but there's just too many games. Like that, yeah. that's, that's a game when like, I don't know, the next console generation starts up and there's not a lot to play. I might play that on PC. Yeah. Uh, let's see other games. Um, Okami HD, um, or the, well, the second Okami HD, cause we previously got it on PS3, uh, years back, but, um, this, what? Oh, sorry. What? Uh, my wife is communicating with me in the back. Oh. <laughs> sorry. I will I will mute myself when I do that. I apologize. I thought I was being quiet. <laughs> um, so Okami is a great game. And um, we here at RPG Fan, we decided, you know, we're covering Zelda. So really, we should cover Okami. And I'm totally okay with that because I have been uh, just goo goo gaga for, for Okami since uh, the very first trailer that I ever saw for the game. And this is... Uh, the prettiest version of the game because it has 4K support and oh my god, it's pretty. But it's just an amazing game and you know it's available now on more systems including uh, Xbox for the first time ever and PC for the first time ever. So there's more places to play it than ever previously and it's a worthwhile game to 
play either for the first time or if you're like me to play for the second or third time or <laughs> possibly even the fourth time if you got the Wii version of the game too, which I did. Um, so I just, I love it. And it was a great surprise to have that at the end of the year. So gotta love Okami. And then finally, um, Xenoblade 2. I, I'm, I love the game. I really do. It's I, I am not saying it's perfect. It does have its issues, but I will just say I was interested. I liked it from the beginning, but there was there were some plot points earlier on that made me kind of like, uh, I don't know where this is going. I'm not sure if this is going the direction I want. I am still in the second half of chapter six, so I still have a ton of the game left to go through, but um lately i've been really getting into the characters and their dynamic together and uh the the little nuggets that we're learning about the story and the world and whatnot and i have to say i liked it from the beginning but i'm actually kind of liking it more and more as it as the game is going on so hopefully there's nothing at the end of the game that really changes that opinion but um otherwise Right now, if I had to say, I think the original Xenoblade is still probably top, um, uh, just because it's the one that started it all. Um, but this game is, I think, a worthwhile successor. Uh, it's maybe a little rough around the edges, but it's still been a really fun experience that I have sunk. Um, this is embarrassing. I've sunk over 100 hours in the game, and I'm only in Chapter 6, and there are wow. people... There are people that cleared the game in about a hundred hours. So mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really bad guys. I'm a super slow player. Wrong with that. If you yeah, like it, it, yeah, if you like it, you like it. And, uh, I, I think I get what you're talking about with those story beats. I got to the part where I was chasing after a maid robot and that's about when I tapped out. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, just... I think chapter four is a little weak. Yeah. Um, it was great to have the development for Torah, but it also felt like it was, uh, filler content almost it's a weird game that i think um it, it, i again i have no insight into this and i'm not sure what happened with it 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 feels like it's a little rushed it feels like they were trying to put something together pretty fast for the switch i think there are there are good ideas that could have coalesced into a fantastic uh follow-up to the original xenoblade chronicles it, i i I'm probably not going to finish it i it's just not holding my attention enough i think the combat's great I, I could really. God, I the combat really, is amazing. Yeah, I want that announcer like announcing everything in my life, just like tornado topple, and I'm oh. just gonna like I'm just gonna keep doing that over and over again. Um, and I, I know, will play. I'll play the next Monolith game. I definitely is, will. The announcer is really interesting because um, I turned him off before I even started my game because I'm I had heard people bitching about how awful the announcer was, and maybe they were talking about the Japanese announcer. I don't know. They're wrong. Um, but I was like, ah, I don't need that. I, I already know that the, the chatter in battle is going to be overwhelming. Do I really need another voice? And then I turned it on like, I don't know, 50 hours into the game. And I was like, I love this dude. Like, I seriously, I yes, love when, he's, when he says awesome. And I'm like, awesome. 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 Yeah. And it's actually kind of useful for keeping track of things, um, too. So yeah, like, no, it is. It is. Um, 
so I think the only game that I didn't bring up in my list of uh, 2017, and uh, I think the entire site is uh, filled with Philistines and people who did not play this game and did not uh, give it the goddamn respect that it deserved. Um, XCOM 2 War of the Chosen was absolutely incredible. And and this that's coming from somebody who bounced off the original release of XCOM 2 hard uh, to the point that I, I despised that game and couldn't stand it. Uh, Firaxis did a really, really good job going back, fixing that game up. And then War of the Chosen adds just enough, like, JRPG bad guyness to it to, I think, make it uh, far more appealing outside of the uh, traditional Western uh, strategy RPG focus. And that, that ended up being a very, very intense experience, deeply personal. Um, I have yet to tell Jackie that she died in a, a momentous uh, moment in that game, uh, mm-hmm. taking the taking the kill shot on a Chosen's uh, stronghold and dying in the process. I knew I was basically uh, sending her to her death, but it was either her or the entire crew, and she uh, she sacrificed herself for the good of the mission. Um, yeah, I still feel really guilty about that. <laughs> um, it, but it was an amazing moment. Just uh, get her something really nice to make up for it. I got her a freaking puppy. I think I win. Like, <laughs> uh, like I, I, I think I won. Um, Wait, did but, you have a say in that? I thought you said she just brought it home. Well, but I said yes. Like, oh, and, wow. And, yeah. <laughs> Like if I had said no, like that that's part of the marriage thing. Like we we, we wouldn't have kept the damn dog, but like no, all right, mm. fine, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling myself that so I sleep tonight, Derek. Uh, but yeah, XCOM Two War of the Chosen was really really incredible. I would recommend that to uh, to people that maybe had never played a a Western style turn based strategy game. Uh, but I think if you enjoy Final Fantasy Tactics at all, it's definitely worth a shot. That game is really really impressive, and those Chosen are like sniper whiplash twirling uh, mustache twirling villains and that's really really awesome and more of that we, we need more of that in video games some more of that personal touch everybody thought the nemesis system was going to become like the biggest thing ever in video games and it it hasn't really taken off but i think xcom 2 does a lot for it so yeah xcom 2 was pretty damn amazing this year oh uh, and go ahead, go ahead. yes we yes. need to talk about prey we do need to talk about Prey. Prey was really good, and I totally forgot about it. <laughs> I yeah, totally I, I, I got it. Prey because of you, actually, because you were so hyped on it, and then I checked it out, and was like, oh, this looks, this looks like Bioshock meets Dead Space, but possibly better than both of those games. And yeah, in a way, it, it kind I of ended up being both better. <laughs> I think the problem with Prey for me was that it ended, uh, the ending is very controversial and I totally get what they were going for, but it kind of has the arcane, like you, you choose your ending at the very end, kind of, kind of a lot like human revolution, uh, deus ex human revolution. Yeah. And it kind of suffers for that a little bit, but Prey felt very, very organic. It felt a lot like System Shock. I liked the horror elements in it. Uh, I think the upgrades were really, really fun. It it was, um, it, in a lot of ways, looking back on Dishonored 2, Arcane's other game that came out recently, I think Dishonored 2 is more replayable, but not nearly as satisfying. Like, it's fun to screw around with those powers in Dishonored 2, but I think ultimately that game ended up very, very hollow. Whereas Prey was like a very deep, um, super immersive experience but it was also one that when it ended i kind of felt like okay that that was good 
like I don't feel the need to replay this uh, anytime mm-hmm. soon. It felt like a, it felt like reading a really good book and being done with it. Whereas I think uh, games like Dishonored or, or Deus Ex: Human Revolution, they offer enough variety that you can go back and be like, okay, I'm going to strategize and play this way. Whereas, you know, Prey, I found the systems that really worked for me and I didn't really feel a lot of incentive to play around with the other stuff, but that world was really cool. I love that 1950s era retro future look. And yeah. uh, Talos one was a really, really impressive area to explore. Like it, it felt real. It felt like everything was connected in, in a real way. Uh, I would love to see a Prey two. I don't quite know what happens to Arcane Studios right now. It feels like uh, Dishonored two and Prey kind of uh, underperformed a little bit. But I think those games have their merits. I love deep immersive sims. We saw Mankind Divided kind of underperform a little bit recently. So. Yeah, I don't know where those Mantex games are. got the axe after that, which is unfortunate. Yeah, because I really, I, I thought Mankind Divided played really well, but then it ends at like Act Two. Yeah, like, it, like it, I'm just sitting there, like, where's the third act? Like the, the game, it, it's like it ended after they left the Death Star in the original Star Wars. Like, okay, well, that just kind of wraps up a problem. Like, no, 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 it doesn't. We we have issues. We need to work on this, and that sucks because I I love Adam Jensen. <laughs> Uh, so in the interest of time, and I'm going to put some pressure on the rest of the crew, I want, <laughs> I want everybody to pick one game. That uh, I'm going to be a bastard. you. One? No, no. One? All right. Two? Three? Two? Three! Three is right. I have... <laughs> Derek has... I have ten. <laughs> God damn it. I, I we, have... I'm just going to say it fast. How about that? Can we, can we, can we do three? Can we do three? I can do three. I mean, you can try to stop me, but... God damn it, Derek. Let's do three. Okay. Uh, starting with Caitlin, your three games that you were excited about for 2018. Um, okay. So before like a few weeks, a week or so ago, I would have said my most anticipated game is Nino Kuni 2. Um, yeah. And it is still hot anticipated. But we recently heard a rumor that Cyberpunk 2077 would oh, get boy. shown at E3. Doesn't necessarily mean, even if that's true, that it's coming out this year, but because we have no clue when it's coming out, and this, you know, an E3 showing would be, like, the most substantial anything we've seen in the game. Right now, I'm feeling Cyberpunk 2077, just because I feel like if that game is, even if that game is literally just Witcher 3 in a Cyberpunk universe, I would be, like, jaw-droppingly happy about it. Does that even make sense? I don't know if I would be happy with that because I, you know, I I was a little bit of the the Witcher 3 uh, dissenting opinion a little bit. I I adore that game in a lot of ways, but I I, I never really gelled with it as a video game, as a story, as a world, as an atmosphere. I loved it. Um, The gameplay mechanics behind it didn't really do a whole lot for me. Uh, With Cyberpunk, like, the question is, is this going to be melee-focused? Is it going to be ranged-focused? Like, is the game going to going to just play like mass effect is it going to play like deus ex is it just going to be witcher like i really don't know and i'm i'm super excited to see what they do because at the very least cd project red has show themselves to be like massive storytellers and world builders so i'm very very excited to see cyberpunk they did the little beep thing on their twitter account to make mm-hmm. everybody go crazy uh i'm really really excited to see what they do i just i i want their games to play better 
I, I don't like their upgrade systems. I don't like their combat systems. And I, I know I'm kind of an outlier on that, but I just want the game to play better. And I, I think if they choose a path with this next game, like if they just decide to make it just a Mass Effect cover-based shooter, okay. But like dig into that and really make that something special. Don't like mm-hmm. do kind of half Arkham Asylum, half Dark Souls with your combat system because that just... I don't. That like would be really interesting to see their take on a on on a shooter, cover yeah. based or otherwise, because that's not really a thing that they do. They've right. you know the Witcher games have always been about melee combat at at heart. I mean you know you've got a crossbow in Witcher three, but it's I barely ever use. I use my crossbow more underwater to instantly kill drowners than any other time. So yeah, yep. so it'd be cool to see then if they did that. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to seeing more about the game, to getting any sort of hints about the story, and especially to sort of learn about the gameplay systems and how they're going to interact with the world. There's a lot of potential with uh, with a sort of futuristic and a, and a cyberpunk world uh, in general to sort of play with those things and in and, and, and interesting ways. And um I just want to. I'm really hoping that rumor is true. Uh, even if the game doesn't come out in 2018, which I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't, I'm just excited and to to learn more about it. So, sure. Um, so I mentioned Nino Kuni too, and out, out of the games that are probably or that are definitely coming out in 2018 right now, that's uh, probably my my most anticipated. Which is ironic, considering I really did not feel the original Nino Kuni. I wanted to feel it, and I loved the art style and the music, yep. but I could not get over the, right the gameplay. You. In fact, right there with you. I hate the fact yeah. that I never finished the game because I just could not deal with that gameplay. And I don't, you know, I don't want to necessarily, you know, say that you know, Kuni Two is going to be clearly, obviously, better than that. But what I've seen thus far looks like it's more up my alley than the original Nino Kuni's combat. And yeah. whether that's going to mean that it's going to be fun and that I'll love it, I don't know. It might still be kind of a pain to deal with, but it looks better. And I'm intrigued by the characters we've seen thus far and the story. So yeah, I, mean, I am. I mean, we're still like, it's been what, six months or so since E3 is seven months, but I got to play it at E3 last year. And I thought that it felt so much better than the original. So, I mean, who knows what they've done in seven months, but I think that there's very little chance that it won't be an improvement in terms of the battle system at the very least. Yeah. 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 So, I'm on board so March, March can't come fast enough for me. I'm definitely on board with that game and I want it to be great. I bought my collector's edition for Nino Kuni one, played it for like three days and just hated it. Did you see, see the amazing collector's edition for this game, though? Like the stop the buying super, collector's editions. <laughs> the super expensive one that has like the diorama and then also like a statue. Like I don't even know what it is, but it 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 all looks amazing. And it's like I I want to, but I don't want to spend that much money. No more collector's editions in my house. I've got to stop. Yeah. Um, and then my third most anticipated game is uh, Valkyria Chronicles Four. Yeah. Which, which that was a that was a, such a, a pleasant surprise to see that game get announced, and just, uh, I have not played Valkyria Revolution, and um, probably won't at this point. If the series was dead and I was desperate, maybe I would have. But now that we've got 
VC3 come or VC4. VC3 would be nice though, Sega, please. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a happy camper again. It looks like a complete return to form for the series. I mean, even just from like the graphics engine is clearly uh, the canvas engine versus the not quite canvas, but clearly <laughs> trying to ape canvas that uh, Valkyrie Revolutions was. And what we've seen in the gameplay looks like just what we expect from a, an actual new Valkyria Chronicles game. So I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I think, I think you're going to get a Valkyria Chronicles game, which is what we wanted. Yeah, like, that's like, all we want, okay, Sega? That's all really all we want. Just keep the boob sliders to a limit and uh, the girls wandering around in thongs and I'll be fine. Like, let's just... One of the things I love about Valkyria Chronicles is that felt like an adult anime without being like all boobs and stuff. Like I really dug that and it, it had its moments of, of silliness, but you know, that's anime in general and I'm totally okay with that, but it didn't feel like it went insanely moe, weeboo, like I'm uncomfortable playing this and I'm really excited for that. Hope that switch version's good. Really, really yeah, want that me switch too. version. To be good. Well, it's coming out later than the PS4 version in Japan. So I wonder if, it's going to be like a concurrent thing when it releases here or what? Like, I don't know what the reason is for the delayed release. Maybe they started development on the switch version later Yep, or yep. something, but who knows? I just hope that's not a bad sign, but that's like pessimistic and I don't want to be that way. All right, Derek, you're up. You're just making me go second. So you can pick three based on what I say. Well, I mean, uh, to be fair, no, Caleb I'm just picked one of mine, which was cyberpunk. So like, yeah, I'm, just I'm, 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 I'm just sitting teasing. here thinking about new ones. All right, so um, it's hard to pick from this list that I have, but I will start with the one, the only Dragon Quest Eleven. God damn figured, it, Derek! <laughs> yeah, I figured that was going to be in your list, but you let me go second, so here we are. Yeah, Dragon That's Quest good. Eleven just looks like the evolution of Dragon Quest in every way that I wanted. Uh, I just, I love visually what Dragon Quest Eleven is doing, and I just want to wander around those idyllic rolling hills and get lost in the towns and play with the battle system and. I don't really expect that much from Dragon Quest XI in terms of story, but, um, you know, I want it to, I mean, I don't want it to be bad, but I'm not expecting much beyond, like, Hero goes on a quest to save the world. If I could get a cool few twists along the way, that would be great. Um, I think I mentioned it before. I'm a little nervous about how they're going to do, how they're going to handle Sylvia, the male, like, circus performer acrobat guy, because in Japanese, he's, like, super effeminate. So I'm you know, a little nervous that they might do like the enchanted arms lisping saxophone guy thing. Oh, so man. here's hoping they don't. I mean, you know what? Like, I don't know. If that's the character, that's the character. But like, it has the potential to be really ugly if it's handled sure. poorly. Sure. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm just really excited about that game. Uh, you know, funny enough, I was looking at the soundtrack because it releases in Japan next week, or at least like the Symphonic Suite soundtrack. And it's like, 12 tracks and they're charging something like 50 bucks for it yeah we've talked before about how um the dragon quest games have absolutely amazing music but not nearly enough like you hear the same tracks over and over and over again and And i don't know that bumps me out i agree and i don't know that this i don't think this orchestral arrangement is every song from the soundtrack but i i actually think that koichi sugiyama needs to stop doing the music for the series i'm totally over it i think it's too samey it's good but i've heard the same soundtrack 10 times now going on 11, I, I can't so. identify which game uh, which music goes with which me game either. i, I me love either. The music, unless it's eight 
yeah, eight's the only one that I can really tell a big difference. Maybe that was because it was my first Dragon Quest, but a lot of times, like four, five, six, I don't know. Like they're they're all interchangeable to me. Yep, I agree. Uh, Here's a question for you, Derek. What? PS4 or 3DS? Yes, all of them. The answer is yes. Yep, yep. (laughs) I'm doing the same thing. I'm buying. I'm buying both of them. I want that bundle. I I I will buy both of them. I and then I will buy the Switch version because I'm a real idiot. Yeah, no, I definitely want both. I I think they're just very stylistically different and both kind of scratch different itches for me. So, yeah, I just think it looks like an amazing world to get lost in. And I I think it looks buttery smooth and really pretty. And I want to check it out. Uh, My second one is probably pretty obvious. And since Caitlin didn't say anything about it, Legend of Heroes uh, Trails of Cold Steel 3, I would love to see that announced and released this year. Oh, you're right. I didn't. Damn it. I'm a horrible (laughs) Trails fan. No, it's okay. That's what I'm here for. Um, so I am, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm playing through the Japanese version. I decided to treat myself to a copy of it. And I, I kept waiting to find a copy around like, you know, 50 bucks or so. And I did, I found one on eBay. So I've got it. I've been playing it for about a week and, uh, I'm only like maybe five, six hours into it because it takes like intense concentration for me to get through it. Cause I find that, um, you know, my Japanese is like intermediate and I actually, I, I understand the gist of everything that is happening, but because it's a trails game, especially towards the beginning of this one, there is like a ton of really complex terminology about like, ah, yes, Thor's Military Academy, you know, Special Support Squad, Class 7, Number 2, and all this stuff. And they're constantly talking about like the Empire and then the, you know, like special uh, self-governing province of North Ambria and stuff. So like I keep I keep looking stuff up because I'm just like, okay, I know they're talking about an area, but I don't know exactly what they're trying to say. But um, anyway, you know, I'm, my Japanese is okay enough that I'm like following, you know, what's happening and I'm getting some of the nuances of the characters, but there is, you know, no way for me to get the full sort of t- trails experience that I'm accustomed to getting because my Japanese just is not good enough. So, um, you know, I, I can see myself continuing to play this all the way through to the end. Mostly I got it because I'm just terrified of spoilers now that they're, um, you know, openly discussing trails of cold steel four, which is the last one in the cold steel series. So yeah, um, I'm just hoping that they announce it for localization that it happens. And uh, it's, I mean, it's good. So I really like the Japanese version so far. So here's hoping I love me some trails. And so while there may be other games that I am anticipating more than this, um, I'm going to choose for my third choice, something a little unconventional. Minako's Night Market. Have either of you seen anything about that? I doubt Rob has. Yes, it's on my wish list. Uh, I want it. Yeah, so Minako's Night Market is, uh, it's like, it's coming to, it says, what, Steam and question mark, question mark, question mark. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, oh, PC, Mac, and question mark, question mark. So I wouldn't be surprised if it came to some consoles, including Switch. But Minico's Night Market, <clears throat> Night Market is, not to be reductive, but looks like sort of a fusion of like Animal Crossing with a Harvest Moon or Rune Factory type game um, rendered in like, you know, the the market scene in Spirited Away where Chihiro's running through it and it's all like the paper lanterns everywhere and it's like bustling there are vegetable and food stalls and um, there's all that. So it, it's kind of like that setting with a paper craft Japanese aesthetic. And uh, it just looks like a really cute simulation game. Um, and you can see in the, the introductory trailer and some of the screenshots, you can see the main character running a food stall and mining and interacting with all these cute characters. Um, amusingly, the official tagline on the website is, Minako's Night Market is a game about crafting crafts, eating eats, and catting cats. uh, it just looks really really adorable and it's uh, very you know creatively inspired i really enjoy the art style and everything so 
just for the sake of drawing attention to it, I will say Mineko's Night Market is my third game on that list. And also Monster Hunter World Bloodstained, Shenmue 3, Nino Kuni 2, Shadow of the Crosses remake, Mega Man 11, Soul Calibur 6. Wait! Uh, wait, wait, wait. No, okay. If I caught most of that. that. No, 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 Derek. No. I, I'm going to go in and just delete all Anthem, of that. Anthem, Code Vein, uh, Project Anthem, Traveler. Really? You think that's coming out? Uh, well, not anymore. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that game. That game getting canceled. I'm, but um, do you I think mean, so? I can... I, I think Anthem's not going to Oh God, yeah. I, I I think Bioware is in some uh, some deep shit. Personally, hmm. I, I think, think they're just because of Andromeda. I think Andromeda, um, they they seem to be rudderless right now. Anthem just looked like Destiny, but not as interesting. And I was like, that's that's saying something. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I think Bioware is in trouble. I really enjoyed reading uh, Jason Schreier's uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. And uh, that book goes into video game development stories. And the Dragon Age Inquisition one was very, very interesting. I could deal with another Dragon Age. I kind of forgot how much I liked Inquisition. But I think Bioware needs to have a serious sit down and EA needs to stop forcing them to use engines that weren't built to make RPGs. I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned about it because of Andromeda and more because they lost their, their game, yeah, their yeah. main gameplay director. So I don't, I don't know what that does if they can get someone else in there to pick it up. But I feel like if they do, it could be a gameplay version of final fantasy 12, where you can tell how, things had to shift gears with a, with a different person midway through so yeah. Yeah. but also it depends we don't know how much of the game i mean the game is supposed to come out this year and they only revealed <laughs> it last year so yeah, that, that that game could... come yeah there's been neither hide nor hair of it so i wouldn't really yeah no, i think it's but i be cool. still it it looks pretty and i can dig the idea of it a bit more than destiny because Oops. destiny is ultimately just halo but with in a different space. It's like Halo in space in a different space, and I'm like, eh. Halo loot. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm all down for having Iron Man armor, so that was like one thing in Anthem I dug, but uh, that game did not look real to me. I felt like I was watching the Killzone 2 trailer from like E3 2005 again. I felt like I was just like, that's not real. Um, so my three. Uh, first one will come as a surprise to no one, whatever the hell from software is working on. I'm like... I, I, uh, Jackie and I have had the talk. I'm not going to go to E3 this year. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay home and relax, but that is the one thing that's like drawing me to LA. Uh, Derek, if you go, you are going to find that game and you are going to play it and you're going to report back to me. Um, FaceTime okay. me if you can. Uh, I need to know what the hell it is. My, my, again, I've said it before. I'm guessing it's going to be an Asian tinged, uh, uh, Dark Souls, Bloodborne spiritual successor. Like, that's just what I think they're going to make. And I am A-OK with that, because I think a new environment is really good for that series. I think Bloodborne benefited a lot by having its own uh, distinctive art design and crazy out-there story. More of that, please. Absolutely. Um, Next one, probably Yakuza 6. I'm really, really excited to see what they do with that franchise. I always wanted to love Yakuza. I played 1 and 2 a little bit back in the PlayStation 2 era, and those games were really really rough um and zero got me into the franchise and seeing what they're doing with the the new engine for six the dragon engine talked about a little bit in this show like that game looks very very impressive um also kazuma kiryu is like the hottest character in video games he he is really hot and he's also <laughs> like he's kind of a doofus which i like like he, that's it, definitely my type 
Yeah. And, and, like in the Geralt way where he kind of like doesn't realize what he's doing a lot of times. And, you know, Yakuza 0, it, it feels like a PlayStation 3 game in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm really excited to play a next-gen Yakuza game. So that could be awesome. I just, when I look at Kiryu, I can't help but think Tekken. Like he's got a like, little Tekken going on, like Jin, like Jin, or um, God, it's been forever. I don't remember character names anymore. But his dad, Heihachi, uh, isn't? No, 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 no. Heihachi's his grandpa. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, wait, that's his grandfather. Isn't his dad also named Kazama? No, yeah, but I don't remember his, his 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 given name. I'm Kazama, so. not Kazama. I'm off. I'm awful. It's I haven't played a Tekken game since like Tekken. Five or we no? I didn't, I didn't even play Tekken Five. Tekken Tag Tournament was the last Tekken game I played. So we yeah, don't have the time to go into the Tekken lore right now. And it's just Kazuya, it's just Kazuya. it's Kazuya. the hair, the hair being kind of like you know the pulled back spiky kind of thing. It's just like and the angular face kind of. It, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just saying it reminds me of okay. Tekken. I assume. Okay, so so Jin's dad's name is is, is Kazuya Mishima, and the Yakuza yes. guy is. <laughs> Kazuma Kiryu. Kiryu. Ka- now, Kazu- Kazuya and Kazuma. Okay, sorry. I always struggle with this with Japanese games because I feel like they go back and forth in trying to like make it uh, legible to uh, native English speakers. Speakers Is Kiryu his first name or is that his surname? Yeah. Yes, that's his Kiryu first name. Kiryu is the first, first name. name. Okay. It drives me freaking batty when they go back and forth with that. And like, and then I get all confused. Yeah. And it's like, well, I know what you're trying to do is you're trying to put the surname first. But then if you're not consistent with that, or if you then start going by Kiryu for long enough, then I start wondering if that's his last name. Like, and it just, ah! I, I get why you do it, but like it drives me nuts. Uh, but yeah, Yakuza Six, real big on my list. I am. I was going to obviously say Dragon Quest Eleven, but Derek is a bastard and he took it from me. Um, <laughs> that is a okay. Uh, I'm actually going to surprise everybody because it's a game that we don't know a lot of, about, but I'm really excited to see it. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five. I'm. Oh, cool. I'm excited to see what they do with that. Um, Four was a fantastic experience on the 3DS. Uh, the less said about the last two dungeons in Four Apocalypse, the better. But uh, I just want to see how they utilize the Switch to its full potential. Like, that yeah. is one of the sexiest 3DS games I've ever played. The menus all look phenomenal. That was them, like, testing the waters when it came to Persona 5. But I would say they're even more functional and brilliant than Persona 5's menus. Like, I love the way Persona 5 looks, but a lot of it is just art, whereas mm-hmm. Shin Megami Tensei 4 is, like, functional. Well, and speaking of using the Switch to its fullest potential, there was, like, a snippet from one of the developers of um, Shin Megami Tensei 5, and they said something along the lines of they want people to be able to enjoy the game in different contexts depending on whether they're on the go or at home. So, like, play the main game at home, see all the cutscenes, like, do the big story stuff at home, but maybe when you're chilling in bed, do some demon fusion or do some yeah. grinding. So I, I've i already sort of um, adapted that kind of gameplay paradigm switching with the way that I play Switch games. So I really like that there was a developer being like, hey, this is what we had in mind. Because it's like, yes, all right, cool, I like that. Because there, there are plenty of games like, um, well, I, I just like being able to sort of change my approach to a game on Switch, depending on whether I'm playing it docked or not. Because uh, what was I playing? Oh, yeah, like when I was playing Xenoblade um, 2, I wanted to see all the cutscenes on the big screen whenever possible. But if I was just like grinding stuff out or, um, you know, trying to get cores or whatever, I would play that in handheld mode and it mm-hmm. ran better anyway. So, yeah, anyway, uh, I, I think that that's a really good point to bring up, Rob, about 
um, exploring the potential of the system and what it can offer them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, since you guys cheated and each got like a couple extra ones, I'm going to cheat and put an extra one in here. Um, And this is a franchise I have not played since middle school, but I want to see what they do after playing Breath of the Wild. I want to see what they do with Pokemon Switch. Mm. Yeah, that could be really interesting. That I want to see some like I'm using Pokemon to access different area like Xenoblade Chronicles X like this flying Pokemon will let me get up here. This fire Pokemon will let me burn this over here. That just seems so amazing to me and having like an entire ecosystem. We don't know anything about this game, but my mind is just like breaking just thinking about it like one of the things breath of the wild does so well is the ecosystem that it builds and how all the physics work together i almost just want pokemon to take that and just let me play with it and have fun with it and like can you imagine like going into an actual town and going to the gym and it isn't you know a handheld game it's a big switch title like that could be really really cool and i've wanted to like a pokemon game again for a long time but admittedly i've been incredibly intimidated to get back into the franchise like having missed everything since blue and red. I'm like I think ah. an, I think an open world pokemon if they could do that would be amazing, but I just I agree. I think, you know, even if it's not open world, what they need to do is they need to do what Breath of the World did to with Zelda, which is to take the franchise in a different or a new direction. Sure. You know, maintain the elements that make it what it is and you know we don't have, we don't have to reinvent pokemon but give it a fresh spin in the way that even the 3ds games that you know obviously look better than the original game boy games it still feels like i'm playing just a prettier version of a game boy game in, in the structure in the way that the way that the, the the areas and you're going from you still have you know roots and everything like that so something to I'm going to, you know, if 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 uh, Stephanie listens to the podcast, she's going to hate me. Something to switch it up. Nice. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, there yeah. we go. I, I had, to do the, <laughs> had to do the snap. Uh, but that, it, there's just, my mind can't handle thinking about all the possibilities. Because, like, remember when Pokemon Go came out and, like, the world kind of, like, we had world peace for, like, about three weeks? <laughs> like, I I really want that to happen with the switch and the switch's version of pokemon i want it to be that game where like i was watching jackie play pokemon go and i just kept going i really wish this game was better like it's awesome that you're super into this but like i want to actually have the i'm like walking into a starbucks and somebody else whips out their switch and we just battle our pokemon right now like can you imagine that like that oh man that that could be really that could be really, really good. And and again, I want I think about Hyrule and about how interactive that world is. And the Pokemon kind of all have those abilities built into them. Like you could you could use Lapras to like act as a boat in the water. And I that that should like solidify my nerd cred right there that I got that right. Like that's that could be really, really cool. Well done. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 hopeful. I'm hopeful. But until then. 
because uh, 2018 is just starting up and we hope that everybody uh, sticks with us as we, we move through another crazy year. We got a lot of games coming out. Um, I will continue my journey down the East games as we, as we keep going. I got East origin downloaded on my PC and ready to go. I'm just going to have to start it over again. Cause I, I tried playing and I'm like, I totally forget how to play this. And I have no idea where I am. So I'll just start it again. Um, but Stick with us through 2018. Let us know if you want us to do more of those spoiler encounter episodes. I think we'd like to do one for Nier and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as soon as Caitlin's done with Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So probably around April. Um, <laughs> I am pace, no... At the pace she's going right now. She'll move. She'll no. Keep moving. no, no, no. I have to have it done before Nino Kuni 2 comes out at the very least. And I like to have it done before then, so... Nino Kuni 2 is March, right? Yeah. March, no? It's okay. the end of March. Okay, uh, so for Derek and for Caitlin, we will see you all later. See you. Bye. Tidy.